Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 932, air date April 12th, 2021. Good afternoon, everyone. It's Dr. Shiva Ayadure. We're going to wait for people to join. We're going to have a very uh, deep discussion about real racism. And I'm going to share with you how Jack Dorsey and Twitter are actually perpetrators of real racism. And I'm sharing this from personal experience, but also from a larger systems perspective, because there is a fake racism, which the establishment wants you and I to get caught in. But there is a real racism, which is against pretty much all working people, which is to keep us fighting. And the real racists are those people who use race for their own political, economic, financial adva uh, advancement. And that's what we're going to talk about. And I'm going, to, I'm going to share with you, as someone who's been on the receiving end of real racism, what uh, the real issues are here and how Jack Dorsey and Twitter are the real racists. And we're going to also discuss the hypocrisy of all of this. Okay. The hypocrisy of how these real racists do their liberal good deeds because it's actually an investment for them. And we're going to walk through that in a very careful way. So let's uh, wait until people join. As people are joining, many of you know that uh, our platform here is really the only platform in the world which is about building a movement for truth, freedom, and health. And it's more importantly to educate people why we need to build an actual platform which integrates uh, science, uh, which integrates community building independent of big tech and how we do activism. So. As people are joining, I want to share this video that we put together. For those of you who are new, it'll really share with you my journey to systems and why I'm more than convinced that all of you need to take a systems approach to understanding these dynamics, be it understanding how a particular food works in your body, a systems approach, what is real racism, the healthcare system, whatever it is. And that's what we're going to do. But we're going to really point out to everyone by the end of this discussion, all of you are going to understand what is real racism. And you're going to also understand how Jack Dorsey is a real racist. And so is Twitter serves in that. And when I'm talking about real racism, I'm not just talking about black versus white. I'm talking about something even deeper. So let me play this video as people are joining. Welcome to VA Shiva. VA Shiva is a product of my journey across East and West, science and tradition, ancient and modern, that brings you the science of systems so you can become a force for truth, freedom, health. VA Shiva is a platform of revolutionary education, community building, and weaponry for unleashing local activism. My journey to VA Shiva begins in the chaos of Bombay, where I experienced diverse religions, languages, castes, and in a small village that had no running water, no electricity, where my grandmother, a poor village farmer, practiced Siddha, an ancient system of Indian medicine over 10,000 years old. She observed one's face, the art of Samudrika Lakshanam, to understand a body's unique constitution, allowing her to deliver the right medicine for the right person at the right time. Watching my grandmother heal others, I was inspired to study medicine, but I was also aware of the corrupt caste system of India, which denigrated a human being, where my family were considered low caste untouchables, where one's birth determined one's destiny. The grit and determination of my mother and father led them to get educated and to come to America, a one in a trillion event. 
Their actions inspired me to work hard and excel. While in ninth grade, I attended New York University in a computer science program, and subsequently, at the age of 14, was given a full-time job as a research fellow at what is now known as Rutgers Medical School in the heart of Newark, New Jersey. There, I investigated the system of sleep using mathematics, computer science, and biology for sudden infant death syndrome. It was there in Newark where I invented email when I was the first to convert every feature of the physical, paper-based inner office mail system, including inbox, outbox, memo, carbon copy, blind carbon copy, attachments, into its electronic equivalent, a system which I named email, a term that I was the first to coin. On August 30th, 1982, I was awarded the first US copyright for the invention of this system, recognizing me as the inventor of email. At that time, copyright was the only way to protect software inventions. I went on to MIT where I earned four degrees across multiple systems of engineering, electrical, mechanical, design, biological. That training led me to invent many other systems for advancing humankind. Echomail, the world's first intelligent email management system. Cytosol, a computational biology system for eliminating animal testing to discover new medicines faster, cheaper, and safer and to the creation of a whole systems methodology for certifying clean food. These innovations led me back on a Fulbright to India, where I discovered the missing link between Eastern medicine and Western systems theory, honoring my grandmother to develop Your Body, Your System, a powerful tool that will help you understand how your body is a system and how the inputs of food, supplements, and exercise bring your body back to its natural system state and systems health an integrative educational discipline that is now integrated into the VA Shiva platform that will enable you to learn the science of systems, the science of everything, be it your body as a system or our society and politics as a system, to reveal the foundational interrelationships between truth, freedom, health. Now is the time for you to be the light, learn the science of systems, build community and weaponize yourself to unleash the activism necessary to deliver truth, freedom, health, in your local community. Welcome to VA Shiva. All right, everyone, welcome. Uh, good afternoon. I hope everyone's having a good Monday. We're going to have a, a deep discussion today on what is real racism. And I'm going to put this in a very important context of uh, a lawsuit that's taking place where we have as many of you know, if you've been watching our feed, uh, we've also, a judge has ordered us to also uh, bring in Twitter as a defendant. It's quite a historic lawsuit, the first lawsuit in the world where um, we are showing that Twitter is an agent of the government. And so that's one interesting dimension to this uh, lawsuit. The other piece is the character of Jack Dorsey and Twitter who claim that they're the quote unquote, the liberals who care about poor black people. And you're gonna also uh, hear how they care about poor uh, people of lower caste all the way in India. And what we're gonna talk about is how these people use race, throwing money at things or uh, through their hypocrisy, how they use race to essentially create their own fake brands. Elizabeth Warren did this, you know, she's here's a woman who lives on Linnaean Street in Cambridge, acts as though she cares for uh, you know, people of color. She used race for her advancement, a fake Indian, okay? 
But we're going to also talk about Jack Dorsey here because it's going to be quite profound to all of you that the fundamental issue here in America is that those in power, Republicans and Democrats, pit blacks and whites against each other. And they frame that as the you know, racist issue. But there's a, the real racism is the quote unquote liberals. I'm not putting, I have to put doubles on there, double quotes on there, because there is classical liberalism, but the quote unquote liberal elites who use racism, who use race for their own advancement. And that's what we're going to talk about. So uh, we're going to get to that. So we're going to talk about how the Black Lives Matter movement is literally an arm of the Democratic establishment. We're going to talk about how the the liberal elites do that. But what I want to uh, uh, share with you is I have a couple of slides from PowerPoint. We're going to go review the lawsuit. But I want everyone to understand that the reason I played that first video for you um, is that without a systems approach, without a, a scientific systems approach, you will always be confused. You'll always get caught in this uh, left-right narrative, black-white, um, you know, Republican-Democrat. And that is what the establishment wants. And, and the quote-unquote, the liberal aspect of this, where race becomes put into this black-white perspective is always used so we never talk about who the real racists are, okay? So that's what we're going to talk about. So let's, uh, let me share with you uh, a slide first here. Let me, I don't think I want this here. So let me share with you uh, a slide that I've set up here for you that'll help as we go through this. Um, slide meaning I put together a little PowerPoint deck, okay? So let me, uh, oops, let me, one thing I gotta do here, setting up these slides right before you. So let me bring this up here. Okay, here we go. So let's talk about Mr. Jack Dorsey. What is this guy actually about? Mm -hmm. And um, and I think it's gonna be quite uh, provocative and interesting when you really realize what Jack Dorsey is actually mm -hmm. about, okay? So let's say actually, this is unfortunate. Let's go back here. Let me go back here to, okay. All right. So we had to also get uh, our friends on Instagram up. All right, to everyone on Instagram, hope you guys are back here. Sorry about that. We had to start you guys a little late. Okay. So let me, let me uh, bring up this um, slide deck here. All right. Some of you may know about this and some of you may not. No, but let me bring up the sort of the latest uh, uh, way that Dorsey represents himself, you know, uh, probably thinks he's an Indian guru or something. But here you go. Here's Jack Dorsey. OK. And uh, this is the image that he tries to present of himself. So what you have to understand is the branding that these people do is quite extraordinary. They will do whatever it takes to try to present themselves in a certain light because that brand equity is directly connected to their economic uh, advancement, meaning um, they see markets, right? They see, okay, there's blacks over here. Okay, there's India over here, uh, which has, you know, 1.2 billion people. What do I need to do? How do I need to represent myself? And you'll see this in the hypocrisy as I go through this. So when you look at someone like Dorsey here, you know, this is the, sh uh, the look that he tries to present. And... Um, during the uh, post the 
of uh, Floyd events and what occurred in Minnesota. Jack Dorsey, as you can see here, Twitter uh, Square donates $10 million to BU Center for Anti-Racist Research. Anti-Racist Research. So here is Jack Dorsey um, giving money to Boston University, the elites at Boston University, to do anti-racist research. Okay, so he has to, um, as though you need to do, uh, and the quality of research that they'll do is funded to these, again, another quote-unquote liberal institution to write papers and, and discuss race. Okay, so Jack Dorsey gave $10 million to this. Okay, so everyone's gonna, everyone uh, prices, wow, Jack is a great guy, isn't he? Jack um, gave $10 million to do anti-racist research. What an amazing guy. What a, what a good uh, white liberal, okay? He wants to make sure that racism ends, all right? So that's part of the shtick in giving money, all right? So that's, that's so I want to start with that, 10 million bucks. Not, you know, and remember this guy's worth uh, uh, tens of billions of dollars. So this is a couple of pennies for him to fund this. It, literally, when you look at the uh, enormity of the wealth that he's gained. Then here's Dorsey, uh, CEO, gives $3 million to Colin Kaepernick Rights Organization for People of Color, okay? So you have two, two people here, Kaepernick, um, whose career was essentially going down. He needed his next shtick, okay? So him and Dorsey connect up, and Dorsey gives him $3 million, you know, another couple of pennies over here to act as though he stands for people of color. And you're gonna realize when I talk about what I keep using the word act, okay? So there's Dorsey over there giving Colin, uh, Colin Kaepernick 3 million bucks. And then um, here's Dorsey, you know, hanging out with the brothers, okay? There he is hanging out with the brothers, acting as though that, you know, he's uh, against racism. And you know, it's all brand building, all right? There you go. And let's go continue this, all right? So then Dorsey, uh, Square invests $100 million in racial equality, all right? So they're gonna put money into supposedly, you know, businesses, supposedly, you know, minority businesses to supposedly help do the inner cities, right? And by the way, remember when they give money, they get to write it off as a tax write-off. It's also a savings for them, a significant savings. So you have, you have Dorsey giving money to BU, you have money, uh, uh, anti-racist research, you have him giving $3 million over here to Colin Kaepernick. And then as you're seeing here, giving $100 million, but it's his company doing that, right? So they get, get to write that off as an expense. So now the average person looking at this will say, wow, Jack Dorsey is so much against racism. He really wants to help solve the racism issue in America. All right, well, Jack Dorsey has never, ever built a movement. He's never experienced what real racism is. But what you see here is he is using the race issue to advance his brand. Because anyone thinks him, you know, relative to his wealth, throwing a couple of pennies here and there. Wow, Jack Dorsey must be a fighter against racism. Everyone tracking me? Okay. All right. That's, that's the tax write-off, right. So buying support, exactly, there we go. Someone just said buying support, it's a very old game, right? So, and by the way, many wealthy people have done this throughout their lives, the Rockefeller Foundations, the Carnegie Foundation, right? They wanna go help the poor people. 
But in many times when they do this, it actually is to further enslave the issue that they're supposedly purporting to help, but more importantly, advances their brand. So here's Dorsey using race to advance his personal brand. Now, let me tell you a little bit about myself, okay? And we'll, we'll get to the, the, the lawsuit. Um, many of you may not know this, but you know, I grew up, as I shared in the video, in an India which had the caste system. My family and I were considered low caste untouchables. Now the caste system of India is like racism on steroids. You get screwed in multiple ways, but basically whatever family you're born into, so if you're born into a family of carpenters, you're supposed to be a carpenter. If you're born into a family of uh, coconut pickers, you're supposed to be a coconut picker. If you're, That's what my family was, believe it or not, and so on. And if you're born into a Brahmin upper caste family, you get to get educated, et cetera. That is the Indian caste system. So as a child, I firsthand experienced when I was a three or four year old kid going to a friend's home, who I thought was my friend, his mother kept me out, out of the house, called me a name that's equivalent to the N word and in, in the caste word and gave me water in a different cup because I could not drink from the same cup they had. This is when I learned about the caste system in India. When I asked my mom, she goes, oh yeah. She goes, when I used to go to the well as a child, they'd shoo her away like a pig. This is a caste. So I grew up in this and I was fascinated because I was so deeply hurt why this occurred. So that started my journey to understanding politics. I, I read everything I could about political systems. So I experienced that. So this is not theory for me. My family, my mom and my dad were extraordinary people. The fact that my mom even got educated coming from a broken family. My dad, who grew up in war-torn Burma with bombs going off everywhere, his first book that he saw when he was 10 years old. My parents were extraordinary people who should never have been educated. It was surely, purely through their grit and determination that my family made it out of there. And then I came to the United States. And in the United States, I settled in Patterson, New Jersey, one of the poorest cities in the United States, predominantly African-American. And I saw the segregation in the United States firsthand. And my family, whatever money they made, they would keep moving up to the different you know, public school systems. And I was fortunate because of their struggles to get educated, create the first email system, go to MIT and learn all this. But I never forgot where I came from. And a testament to that is that I've always been a fighter. Many of you know I created the first email system, Cytosol, but some of you may not know that I've always been a fighter, not like Jack Dorsey building my brand equity. I've been fighting for it because I never forgot the working class people, the communities that I came from in the United States, as well as where I came from in India. So and if you don't know this here, some of those slides. So here are my quote unquote credentials as a fighter, far more honest than Jack Dorsey. So there's me, you know, I'm a person, I think of color, right? There's me burning the South African flag on the steps of MIT. MIT had investments in South Africa, brutal South African dictatorship. And I was, I had led a 5,000 March protest across the BU bridge over to MIT. And, you know, MIT, you know, was making money off profiteering of the working people of South Africa. So that's me as a, I think 17, 18 year old kid. Here's me challenging the MIT president. And I could have gone thrown out of school, but I was fiercely against not just black people in South Africa, but it was, you're talking about the working people of South, South Africa who were paid pennies for digging in those mines, et cetera. So that's me as an undergraduate 
fighting against the president of MIT. And eventually we actually won MIT. We forced them to pull those investments out. Okay, big victory long before Jack Dorsey. This is in 19 in, in the mid 80s. Here's me more recently in 2017. Some of you may know we had a free speech rally. The current mayor of Boston, who Joe Biden just appointed, has the Secretary of Labor branded our free speech rally, where we invited people of all groups, left, right, Green Party, left wing, right wing. He said we were running, this is in 2017, August 19th, he said that we were running a racist rally and I was branded as a white supremacist. And they made 40,000 people showed up in Boston to protest me and these pro and, and my uh, fellow, 40 of us faced 40,000 people because Marty Walsh, who Joe Biden just appointed as a labor secretary, branded me and our fellow free speechers as racist because that event took place uh, about seven days after Charlottesville because we had invited someone from the right. The whole rally was branded as a white supremacist rally. But what do you see me holding up? Black lives do matter. No to GMOs. All right. And that was, you know, about three years ago. Well, a few years before that, that's me uh, at one of the sages and scientists events out in California, the Deepak Chopra um, did uh, on stage. You know, it was about it was about the future of uh, women in science. And there was 17 men on there and only one woman. And I commented because I cared for my mom who had gone through that journey. How come there's only one woman there? A lot of the women stood up. They were very supportive. But I've been fighting for women in science all my life. Here's me protesting at MIT during my PhD, U.S. out of Iraq. I was very, very upset that the imperialist U.S. government was sending poor blacks and poor whites and poor people, black and white, to go fight their imperialist wars. Okay, So I risked my PhD when I did that. I don't think Jack Dorsey ever did that. And here's me in 1986 fighting for one of my friends who was jailed by the fascist Jay Wardena government in Sri Lanka, and we got him out of prison. And there's me, again, as a kid right there, uh, organizing the food service workers of MIT, black and white. The food service workers were not treated properly. They weren't getting proper health care. I organized them, interconnecting that movement to the movement in South Africa. So I want to give you the, these things because I've been fighting all my life. Jack Dorsey has not been fighting all of his life. He uses racism to advance his brand. Okay, someone's saying, I can't see anything you're describing. Well, I'm not sure. Uh, can everyone see this? Assume everyone else can see this. Can everyone see my slides? Yes? All right, I think everyone can see the slides. I'm not sure what's going on. So that's been, and, and it continues. Here's me, um, you know, fighting you know, MIT, the liberal institution, well, they weren't treating women well back in 85. And then here's me in more recently, 2012, when I went to India to do my Fulbright, Fulbright 20, uh, 2008 to nine, um, I got appointed to head up one of the largest institutions in India. I decided I'd help India with their innovation. I exposed the corruption there, and then I get fired. Under death threats, I had to leave India, all right? So we'll come back to Dorsey, all right? So the reason I wanted to share with you that is, to me, the fight against racism, the fight against uh, caste, the fight for women's rights, I've been in the thick of it, and I still am. So when I decided to run for U.S. Senate in Massachusetts, I ran initially against Elizabeth Warren, who was using race for her advancement. 
Remember, she's the one who said she was a Native American. She got all of her jobs checking off she was a Native American. That is racism. Let me repeat, racism is using race for your financial, educational, political advancement. So Elizabeth Warren did that. She used race for building up her brand equity and using that she said, oh, I'm a poor Native American, please let me into Harvard. That's how she got her jobs throughout her career. So when we ran our campaign, we had a great slogan which said only the real Indian, which is me, can defeat the fake Indian, okay? Because it was not about the issue of race for me, it was about integrity. But Elizabeth Warren was the real racist. A lot of liberals don't get this. She is a racist. In fact, we had these signs, which we had, which said only the real Indian can defeat the fake Indian. The liberals would freak out over that, okay? Because they thought I was a white supremacist. Because I was essentially, as a person who has experienced racism, talking about the real racism. They're the racists. It's Elizabeth Warren. Now, so I've, I've shared with you, here's, here's Jack Dorsey. By the way, anyone joining us new, we're talking about why Jack Dorsey is a real racist and I'm defining real racism. It's using race for one's advancement. So I just gave a bunch of slides exposing how Jack Dorsey, you know, is given little pennies relatively of his money to Colin Kaepernick. He's given a little bit of money over here to, you know, uh, some Black Lives Matter organization, you know, uh, his company, has supposedly planned to give 100 million here, which will they get us a tax write-off. This builds their brand equity as someone who's against racism, okay? Contrast to me, I've been on the ground fighting racism. Now, a couple of years ago, Jack Dorsey, now let's move on to the issue of caste. I've told you India has a caste as well. Jack Dorsey flies over to India. The doofus has never been to India, doesn't really understand the dynamics, but wants to act as though he's against the caste system of India. Okay, so what does he do, right? So this is your typical, uh, you know, neo-missionary attitude. So here's Jack Dorsey. He goes all over to India and he, by the way, he gets trolled for wading into India's caste debate. Now there is a real caste issue in India, but I can tell you this, Jack Dorsey doesn't give a damn about the poor low caste people of India. It is again an opportunity for him to act as though he's for the poor lower caste, which is where I'm actually from and what I've experienced as a kid growing up there. But it's an opportunity again for him, you see, to establish his brand. That's what this is about, using caste, one of the ultimate forms, a severe form of racism for his own benefit. So what does Jack Dorsey do? Look what he does. Jack Dorsey goes over to India and he meets, and this is his completely, you know, ridiculous, uh, uh, this woman, Vijaya Gade, um, completely criminal behavior, what she does, how she throws people off Twitter. She's a chief legal counsel. So he meets with a bunch of women and he's holding up this sign, okay? And what does the sign say? Let's focus on it. It says, smash Brahmanical patriarchy. So here's Jack Dorsey holding up this sign. So what, what does this sign mean? Well, Dorsey's acting as though Brahmanical means the people at the top, we have to smash it. Okay, we're gonna come back to this. So here's Jack Dorsey in India goes 10,000 miles over to India. Now he's supposedly a fighter against caste. Well, the Brahmins there get upset with him, right? And then if you read what he actually does, his, his Vijaya Gade, his chief legal counsel says, oh, well, you know, we made a mistake. We should really should not have done that. So they actually throw the woman who'd given up that sign to hold because they thought, oh, Jack Dorsey's really against the caste system. So they tested it out. How would Jack Dorsey 
How would the Indian people feel about his position? He gets smashed by some of the Brahmin hierarchy in India. So he sort of distanced himself. You see, Where, versus in America, okay, yeah, Jack Dorsey's against racism. So the point I'm, I'm bringing up here is he doesn't give a damn about people of color. He doesn't give a damn about the people of lower caste. It is a brand building business. Everyone tracking me? So how do I know this? Okay. How do we know this? All right. Yes. He says smash Brahmanical. So let's now talk about what's going on right here in Massachusetts. Okay. What's actually going on and what's going on nationally. Many of you know, I ran for political office again in the Republican primary on September 1st, 2020. We had 3000 volunteers on the ground. We had an incredible political campaign. We had 10,000 lawn signs, 20,000 bumper stickers. Our campaign was everywhere. We were by all accounts, by all data, by all evidence, headed for a landslide in the Republican primary. The Republican scumbags did not want me to be the Republican candidate. So they find a fool to run against me who had no lawn signs, no bumper stickers, no real organization at all to make sure because the Republicans and Democrats work together to make sure that I would not win the Republican primary. And so they could have him as a designated loser to Ed Markey, who's been in there for 50 years. So we were headed for a landslide. And suddenly I find out that September 1st comes, we win in the hand counted, where ballots are hand counted in the one county, Franklin County by 10 points. And every other county was 60, 40, 60, 40, 60, 40. And I knew this was impossible. This was a pasty faced white guy from Greenwich who did not campaign. He wins in, you know, an all black county. He wins in an all Hispanic county, he wins everywhere. And he didn't campaign. And our campaign was truly diverse. All working people came up. People were out there busting their buns for our campaign. So as I started understanding what actually took place, I found out in all the other counties where I lost 60, 40, 60, 40, supposedly, they were all primarily machine counted meaning they use electronic voting machines. And on those electronic voting machines, they take your ballot and it converts it to a ballot image, a photograph. That photograph is what is scanned and tabulated. Everyone tracking me? So when I found all of this out, I knew we didn't, you know, lose. So as I, so I went to the Secretary of State of Massachusetts, the government of Massachusetts, and I demanded that they give me the ballot images, which they're supposed to do by save for 22 months for federal elections. So let me repeat, in all the other counties where I quote unquote lost, they use primarily electronic voting machines, which generate these images, which are supposed to save by federal law. Well, through a series of interactions with the government of Massachusetts, I asked for public requests. requests. Through a series of emails, the Secretary of State admits that they deleted the ballot images, they destroyed them, and they don't have to save them. They don't say why. And those email interactions on late September, 20, September 24th, 25th, in that time frame, I post up on Twitter, I post up the four images of the email conversations with them. Now, I've never been suspended off Twitter, permanently suspended, none of that. But when I put those four images up, exposing that the government of Massachusetts had violated federal law, bang, I'm thrown off Twitter for three weeks in the middle of my federal election campaign. And as this campaign proceeds, so I file a lawsuit 
by myself. No lawyer wanted to take it on. First victory we had, the judge decides to hear it. Remember, all of Trump's cases were thrown out because we filed as a First Amendment thing. We said the government of Massachusetts, we found that in, a, in, a, in an email, had, in a news report, had contacted Twitter. Let me repeat again. The government of Massachusetts had contacted Twitter to throw me off because I, as a federal candidate, was exposing the fact that they had violated federal law. The government of Massachusetts contacted Twitter, Jack Dorsey, and Twitter threw me off, not on their own accord, because they are lackeys. They are the doofuses to the government. So we filed our lawsuit. The judge gave us a hearing. First victory. Second, the judge ordered the government to stop contacting Twitter, to stop doing this. Second victory. No news covered this. More recently, in March 25th, the judge now wants to bring Twitter into the court. He also wants us to bring Twitter because... He clearly said in our hearing that more than likely I'll win the bigger lawsuit to show that the government contacted Twitter. All right. So what we did was the judge then wanted us to amend the complaint. And I'm going to show you that. So in the amended complaint, our position is that Twitter is a jackass of the government. OK, meaning they kowtow to what the government has. And because you see, for far too long, we think Jack Dorsey has so much power. He's this big, brilliant guy. Well, he's a doofus. He's not that smart. He got lucky. Right person, right place at the right time. Twitter is not any grand innovation. Not like what I did with email as a 14-year-old kid. It's basically, you know, you can create a Twitter pretty quickly, okay? Not that much innovation. But what you find is that this doofus is a peon of the government. So the lawyer, I mean, the judge asked us to amend the complaint and bring Twitter in. And that's what we did, okay? So I'm gonna, what I'm gonna walk you through now is I'm gonna read some parts of the complaint. And in the complaint, we also talk about the hypocrisy of Jack Dorsey. And as I go through it, you will get a real understanding of what is racism and how Jack Dorsey serves the establishment, not only against blacks or whites or lower caste, but against all working people. He is an agent of the government, which means he does what they say. He's a puppet. And this is very important. So let me go over to share the lawsuit here, okay? So let me let me share share this. And, and um, by the way, uh, let me share the screen here. And I'm going to sh show you guys right here. By the way, if any one of you wants to go to this, you can go to vashiva.com. And you can just search for a First Amendment lawsuit on our website and you'll find it, First Amendment lawsuit. So right here, here we go. So let me go to this. By the way, here is what the judge ordered. This was on March 25th, which is very recent, hot off the press. So the judge ordered us on March 25th. He said, um, he said, in the view of the foregoing, it is hereby ordered that plaintiff shall by April 7th file his proposed amendment complaint with Twitter as a defendant. Now, why is this important? Well, this lawsuit... If you looked at what happened a couple of uh, weeks ago, a week ago, Clarence Thomas concurred with the Supreme, uh, with the lower court's ruling that they, Trump really, they had the right to ban Trump because he said that you cannot attack Twitter because they have Section 230 immunity. But he said, you know, if government action was involved, we could, you know, go after this. And they said, we want a lawsuit like that. Well, our lawsuit in federal court right now is the lawsuit of the century. 
It is the lawsuit showing that the government used Twitter to get their job done against a federal candidate because I was exposing that there were criminals. So it's not about just big tech. Big tech is a pawn of the government. That's why our lawsuit is a very, very historic lawsuit. I hope everyone's tracking this. So let me go back here. And if you go here, let me, so, so now let me go to the lawsuit. So the judge ordered us to do this. So literally last week we filed the amended complaint. I'm not gonna go through the whole thing, but I do, as, as you know, I enjoy um, educating you from a systems approach on what's actually going on. So let me walk you through this lawsuit very carefully here so everyone gets this, okay? Everyone tracking here? How's everyone doing, okay? Um, good. So here is the lawsuit, okay? So you can notice it's the second amended complaint, and this is what it says. Most people, most people, okay? In fact, what I'm gonna do is most people, let me go back here, I wanna stop this for a second. I wanna bring it up the right way. Okay. So I can go back and forth. So this is what the lawsuit says, all right? And by the way, uh, it's quite extraordinary that given all the victories we've gotten, no one in the mainstream media covers this, okay? This is what it says. Most people, this is so, this is in our lawsuit. You notice we added Twitter now, okay? And we've got many victories on this lawsuit. It says most people assume, most people assume, simply assume that big tech is independent of and has an adversarial relationship with the government. This case proves that big tech is an agent of the government and is in no position to defy or resist government influence in any way. On April 5th, 2021, U.S. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas declared in his concurring opinion that because Biden versus Knight did not allege any threat from the government and did not raise the issues of Blum versus Uresky, which is a case which is about the government being involved, right? It could not examine as a vehicle, it, it could not serve as a vehicle to examine the issue of government influence and so territory must be denied, which means they couldn't go after Twitter. This case, which is our case in contrast, does credibly allege that Twitter, the government's trusted partner, is not independent, defined bastion of free speech, and that Twitter is merely an agent of the government that provides a government end run around the First Amendment. It is impossible to tell where Twitter ends and where the government begins. Now, so we're filing this lawsuit to everyone's edification, remember, we already had our hearing where the government of Massachusetts admitted that they have a Twitter trusted partnership. So in September 25th, 26th, when they threw me off in cross-examination, it came out, everyone listen very carefully, the government of Massachusetts, like many states, have a trusted Twitter partnership. That's what it's called. That means when the government calls Twitter, says, hey, I don't like you know, uh, Roy Jacobson, I don't like what William is writing. Boom, you can throw them off because the government has a Twitter partnership. So if you complain about someone, you're a lower caste. But if the government complains, they have a trusted Twitter partnership. This came out in testimony. Tucker Carlson didn't cover it. Chris Cuomo didn't cover it. No one covered it. This is a case. This is the case of the century. And so in this amended complaint, we refer to that. That's where I'm talking about here, okay? So what comes out in this case here, as you can see, is we're saying defendants have already, that was in the October 30th hearing, admitted under oath that they coordinated an effort to strongly, to strongly encourage Twitter, to strongly encourage Twitter via their 
trusted partnership, via the trusted partnership, to delete tweets that specifically reference emails from Defendant Galvin, who's the Secretary of State's office, and aimed to get Twitter to suspend Dr. Shiva repeatedly, such that he was unable to send out any tweets during the last month of his campaign. Those emails which re revealed that ballot images from electronic voting machines have all been deleted substantiated Dr. Shiva's claim that federal law had been violated by the defendants. Galvin and Tassinari, she's a state election director, he's a Secretary of State, Galvin. Defendants acted in concert with the common purpose of abusing their official influence to suppress Dr. Shiva's political speech. Defendants violated Dr. Shiva's First Amendment right under the color of law, thus giving rise to the 1983 claim, which means we can sue a public official. Defendant Galvin is sued both in his official and individual capacities because of the need to invoke ex parte young. Anyway, and you can read this lawsuit, but the first part of this lawsuit at the top of it, the concise statement is that we have a lawsuit showing that the government through using their twisted, uh, twisted or their trusted Twitter partnership contacted Twitter because I was exposing in my tweets that the government had violated federal law. Everyone tracking? So who did this? Jack Dorsey did this. Well, who am I? Look at who I am. I'm a low caste untouchable, a black skin, a pretty dark skin Indian guy who suffered all sorts of racism, who's running for federal office to help the downtrodden. And here I am exposing whistleblowing that the government is violating federal law. And I had 360,000 followers on Twitter. It is my main vehicle to educate you guys, to support what I do in business through my educational that I do for you guys, to support my campaign. Who through a dark skin, a black skin, low caste Indian guy off Twitter? Who did it? Who did it, everyone? Was it the KKK? Was it some right-wing fanatics? Who threw off a federal candidate? When was the last time a low-caste untouchable who came from nothing ran for federal office in the United States? When was the last time? Never. And who threw me off Twitter? Racist Jack Dorsey. The quote-unquote liberal Jack Dorsey who gives money here to Colin Kaepernick because it enhances his brand, who flies all the way over to India to say he's going to smash grammatical hierarchy. Yes, there is casteism in India. Yes, there's racism. But freaking Jack Dorsey doesn't care about that. He cares about growing his freaking beard, putting a little nose ring on, acting as though he cares for everyday people. All right. So let's get a little more de detail. And I encourage everyone to go read this lawsuit when you have time. But I I'm going to jump to the latter part of it. So we just added Twitter to this, okay? So in this lawsuit, um, coming to Dorsey, okay? So let me <laughs> let me go to the part of the lawsuit where I'm going to read this, and it's quite powerful, okay? It says, Jack Dorsey and Twitter... This is where I'm calling out Jack Dorsey's racism and hypocrisy and that he's a fraud. And everyone should, by the way, share this video widely because this video is a systems video. We're talking about election issues. We're talking about racism. We're talking about destruction of ballot images. We're talking about the fact that Dorsey is a hypocritical, double quote, liberal fraud. And these, this is how the liberal elite act. They use racism to rile us all up 
but right in front of them, when there's someone like me, they screw, they practice racism. So let's talk about that. All right, let's talk about that right here. And this is a very good piece of work that we're very proud of what's written here. It says, Jack Dorsey and Twitter oppose a social justice causes that have defined this plaintiff. Okay, plaintiff Dr. Shiva was born a low caste untouchable and experienced grinding poverty and crushing oppression on a farm in Southern India. His family moved to America in 1970 and he grew up in the working class neighborhoods of New Jersey. His entire life has been a fight against all forms of oppression and segregation based on direct personal experience, okay? My life is not like Elizabeth Warren bullshitting that she's a Indian. My life isn't about Jack Dorsey throwing pennies over here relative to his wealth to enhance his brand on racism. This is much more real. Plaintiff put his life on the line at each instance and placed personal interests at grave risk to take a public stand for the downtrodden. Ever since he moved to Massachusetts from New, York, New Jersey in 1981, his life has been a continuous struggle against a quote unquote liberal elite. This isn't a federal lawsuit, everyone. This is on the record. It'll be, it's, it's for everyone to read. In control of the state and their daily hypocrisy, which predates the founding of the United States. What he has observed is that their words of fighting for the poor, the oppressed working people are contrary to their deeds. While at MIT, plaintiff placed his degrees and PhD at risk. Jack Dorsey has never placed anything at risk, which he fought publicly for the rights of women and protested the pervasive misogyny and sexism within the elite at the university. He was inspired by his mom's experience and struggles in India at a time when women, especially from her background, were not expected to become educated. He fought publicly for the rights of workers at the university, fought against liberal elites, profiteering in apartheid South Africa, which was MIT, Harvard, etc., fought to release political detainees from the genocidal Jaywardness government in Sri Lanka, fought for the entry and inclusion of more women and poor, black and white, in science and engineering, fought against endless imperialist wars overseas, and fought against a fake left Republican and Democrat divide. All right, and these are the pictures I shared with you earlier. These are, you can't take these away from me. Jack Dorsey doesn't, will never have an album like this because he's never fought real racism. In 2009, after completing his Fulbright, Dr. Shiva was invited by the Prime Minister of India to import his expertise in science and innovation to lead the reforming of India's leading scientific institution, the Council of Scientific and Industrial Research of India. So I was, right when I was finishing my Fulbright, this organization asked me to stay in India, for which the Prime Minister served as its president. The goal was to unleash innovation and commercialize the numerous scientific innovations and findings made by the scientists in India. The scientists were relieved and overjoyed to finally have one of their own in authority and supported Dr. Shiva. He quickly learned of the feudal and colonial infrastructure which actively suppressed innovation in India and realized his appointment was simply for show to have an MIT PhD Fulbright scholar allegedly in charge. Plaintiff could have accepted the corruption and simply stayed on to enjoy the immense material benefits and stature they offered. Just to give everyone an understanding, so you know, here I finished my Fulbright, I'm headed back in 2009 to the United States. I get offered this amazing position by the Prime Minister of India. And I realized that they just had appointed me just to be there for show. And when I found the corruption, I could have shut my mouth that my father-in-law at the time said, Shiva, keep your mouth shut. One day you'll be the, the Minister of Science and Technology, but that's not who I am. So what I did was I exposed this corruption as this document says here, okay? So, um, 
all of this was uh, that report. So he said, instead, he wrote an honest report summarizing his findings for review by the leadership. That report resulted in not only his immediate termination, but also eviction, death threats, and attempted false arrest and prosecu prosecution. All of this was unleashed by the quote unquote progressive and liberal elites of India who quote Gandhi every day. Plaintiff had to leave India in the middle of the night to avoid being killed. The most prestigious journal in the field of science nature reported on plaintiff being forced out of CSIR within five months of his appointment. And you can read about this. So as a very dark skinned Indian American plaintiff has experienced racism daily throughout his stay in Massachusetts. Belmont police threatened him with retaliation for purchasing a modern home. I mean, I had police break into, literally bust into my house when I first moved into this neighborhood in the liberal Snake Hill area. This was after they entered his home without a warrant because they could not believe that a black skinned man could be living in such a home. So, and you can read more about that. all of his life, plaintiff chose to fight all forms of segregation that the liberal elites support as correctly delineated by Lillian Smith back in 1944 itself. His fight has been real not for show, and aimed at meaningful improvement of ordinary people's lives. It has not been a fake science at brand building or aimed at becoming a member of the elite establishment. At age 57, plaintiff did not need to put himself at a risk for running for US Senate and to take on the liberal elites. He could easily live a comfortable life in Belmont, run his biotech companies in Cambridge, and make nice with the Boston Brahmins in charge regardless of who occupies the governor's office. Plaintiff fights because that is a commitment he made to his oppressed grandparents in that small farm in Southern India when he was 12, as well as to the many working class people, black and white in New Jersey, who taught him and, and gave him his values. It is, he, it is who he is, which brings us to Twitter CEO, Jack Dorsey, okay? So, so in this lawsuit, again, this is a federal lawsuit. We're giving my background as a guy who's always fought racism and now we're going to talk about Jack Dorsey, who throws me off Twitter. Okay, Jack Dorsey threw a black-skinned, low-caste Indian guy off Twitter, while over here he's giving money to Black Lives Matter. This is what the liberal elite do all day long: facade, and then what they really do. So. Let's go to Jack Dorsey. And this is what we want the judge to understand. We want the world to understand what a scumbag racist Jack Dorsey really is. All right, let's go to this. Which brings us to Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey. Dorsey has actively colluded with the Boston Brahmins, right? Some of you may know they call the elite in Boston, interesting enough, the Boston Brahmins. That's what the Brahmins are called in India, the elite. But it's an interesting term. It's quite ironic, right? that the elite in America, which are in the neighborhood of Harvard, you know, in this area of Boston are called the Boston Brahmins. Well, what did Dorsey actually do? He supported the elite in India, in, in, in Boston. So that's what our lawsuit brings out here. Our lawsuit is bringing out very clearly the hypocrisy of Dorsey. Dorsey has actively colluded with the Boston Brahmins of Massachusetts to interfere in the election campaign of a low caste black skin, untouchable, that's me, who ran for US Senate so he could actually help the downtrodden and marginalized people of Massachusetts and the United States with fresh new ideas and a strong background in science, engineering, and innovation. Think about this. Who the hell did Jack Dorsey throw off Twitter? A guy who invented email, got four degrees at MIT, busted my ass all the way through, not like Elizabeth Warren using race to get in. I never used race to get my degrees at MIT, never to get any job. 
I didn't have to run for U.S. Senate. I could have you know, made enough money. I could live a wonderful life. I don't need to do this. But that's who Jack Dorsey threw up, a black-skinned, low-caste untouchable from India who was running for federal office. Get, we got to all get the hypocrisy here of this racist scumbag Dorsey. He's a scumbag. He's a racist. Okay? It is undeniable and hideous that Dorsey has chosen to silence on behalf of the elites in power, a low caste untouchable who has been an actual fighter for the oppressed and the voiceless his whole life. While Dorsey puts out photos and press statements that he claims he's a champion of diversity, inclusion, and the fight against racism and casteism. In 2018, Dorsey traveled to India and claimed he strongly opposed casteism and other social ills in that foreign country. Here is Dorsey in India, as I shared with you, claiming to smash grammatical patriarchy. Okay, and by the way, those of you just joining, I also shared, let me just bring that up, a bunch of other uh, interesting, uh, you know, pictures where Dorsey puts this out there that he is fighting, you know, racism, right? So let's go over here. These are all the pictures. Let me go back here. This is Dorsey trying to establish his brand. This disgusting looking fool, okay? Here he is saying he gives a little bit of money over here for anti-racist research, anti-racist research at BU. Here he's hanging out with Colin Kaepernick, giving this dope, three million, hanging out with the quote unquote, the brothers, right? And then his organization gives a hundred million uh, in racial equality, not his organization, his company, which will be a nice big tax write-off. And there's me, okay? So I just wanna let everyone know, that those of you joining new, this is how Dorsey builds his brand, his bullshit brand equity. So let's go back here. So in our lawsuit, we square all of this. So he goes to India. Here's Dorsey claiming to smash grammatical patriarchy right here. And what we say is it is beyond hypocritical that Dorsey is actively colluded with the elite establishment, the Boston Brahmins, to smash. Yeah, he wants to smash casteism. No, what he did was to smash a low caste untouchable me who came up the hard way and ran for office to represent others who have been shut out by the one party, quote unquote, liberal elites in, in control of Massachusetts and provided the government a covert means of silencing him, which is me. Dorsey has actively supported the caste system in Massachusetts while claiming to support inclusion, social equality and diversity overseas and Black Lives Matter in the United States. Unlike Dorsey, plaintiff, Dr. Shiva, has fought against casteism his whole life in the East and West. Dorsey has supported the elites in power, both in the East and West. In early 2021, now I just want to also bring this up to people, the hypocrisy of Jack Dorsey. The government of India asked Jack Dorsey to shut down 95% of Twitter handles, accounts, farmers in India, farmers like my poor grandparents were rising up to have their voices heard. Massive protests. The government calls Jack Dorsey. You know what he does? He turns off 95% of their Twitter accounts. That's Jack Dorsey. Racist scumbag. Elitist racist scumbag. So here we see, unlike Jack Dorsey, so we talk about this, right? Uh, uh, plaintiff has fought racism cast his whole life. In early 2020, Dorsey's Twitter Silence agitating farmers in India on behalf of the elites in power over there. As a child of poor, dark-skinned Indian farmers, plaintiff can only conclude that Dorsey is a posturing for fraud, a posturing fraud who is a member of the liberal elite himself and has zero interest in changing the power structures in any way, neither east nor west. 
The recently departed Michael Apta documentary in his landmark up series, The Lack of Social uh, Documents of Mobility in English Society. Dorsey supports the same lack of socioeconomic mobility and the continued preservation of power within the liberal upper caste of Massachusetts. If Dorsey truly opposed caste system or racism, he would have ensured that this plaintiff's voice is not silenced by his own company on behalf of the agents of the Boston Brahmins, Tasnar and Galvin and Cohen, and would have ensured that his company does not provide establishment upper castes, a covert means to accomplish an end run around the strong restrictions imposed on the government by the US Constitution. Dorsey actively helps the upper caste carry on oppressing the downtrodden in the United States, undisturbed by the new elites in big tech or by any notions of due process or equal protection or how the United States must be as a nation. That's our lawsuit. And there's more here. In the interest of time, what we've added is we've added a clear count in here where we, you know, we've added door, uh, Twitter to into our entire lawsuit. And by the way, this entire lawsuit is being done by me. We don't have lawyers. All of this is brought to you by me. Okay. And, you know, the some good friends who help us do research. But we have asked the courts to expose the fact that Jack Dorsey was behaving and Twitter was behaving as a super PAC. And we've added another half a billion dollars in the lawsuit against Dorsey. And you can go read about that. But the point here is this. Everyone needs to understand there is a real racism, but the real racists aren't the gung-toting, quote-unquote, rednecks who want the Second Amendment. That's the bullshit. They're not the racists because working class people in this country, the white working class in this country are not the racists. Most of them, and I grew up with most of them, they may have called me names. That's not racism. Racism is using race for one's political advancement. I hope people get this. So what happened in the civil rights movement was a, the Kennedys found someone like Martin Luther King. There was a bottoms up movement in this country for, by blacks and whites in the civil rights movement. So we would put infrastructure in the inner cities. Well, instead of addressing that, they found Martin Luther King, promoted him as the quote unquote leader of the civil rights movement. And that the civil rights movement became a bogus civil rights movement. It was about don't use the N word, be politically correct and give affirmative action, which literally pitted blacks against whites. And, you know, today the illiteracy of a black male today is worse than it was after civil rights. So the bottom line is Jack Dorsey, he's a racist. Elizabeth Warren is a racist. And the left and the right want to pit us all against each other. You're seeing this in this Georgia thing right now. The left talks about voter suppression, the right wants voter IDs, and they want to pit blacks against whites. The real issue is the fact that we need hand-counted paper ballots because the electronic voting machines approved by the state election directors, which is what I brought out, delete the ballot images because they are multiplying our votes by fractions. The system has that feature in there. Trump won't talk about this. Bernie won't talk about it. Republicans won't talk about it. Democrats, they'll talk about a fake thing fake election fraud issues, fake racism. Now, the only way forward is for all of you to understand that when I start connecting, this is a systems approach to understanding the truth. And I'm gonna take a break, quick break and I'll come back, uh, but I want all of you to become truth, freedom and health warriors. The only way to break out of this is if we build a movement bottoms up, beyond black and white, beyond left and right. And we realize that 
When you go back to the 1920s, you find out that it was a working class movement. That's what put the fear of God into the, the establishment, liberal, conservative, left and right. And that is what we're dedicated to doing. So when I give you this analysis, it's a lot of effort to go to this, get these slides, put it together, but to educate you, there is a real racism and the real racist is Jack Dorsey. Am I not the kind of person that he supposedly wants, a black skinned, low caste, untouchable? Right? No, but he, he succumbed to the government to throw me off Twitter. He's a lackey of the government, a bootlicking lackey of the Boston Brahmins. That's what he did. I wanna, uh, before, uh, oh, I have a couple more points to make, but I want all of you to go, go to vashiva.com slash join. Everyone says, Dr. Shiva, how can we help you? Well, I don't want you to help me. I want you to help you. If you wanna contribute to our movement, contribute. And when you contribute to me, I will educate you on how we build a movement. I've spent my whole life understanding systems and it's time for you to contribute to you. And what we've done in our platform here, I'll come back to it. I just want to play you this video so I can get it, grab some water, but don't leave. I'll be right back. Is I want you to listen to this video. If you've heard it before, listen to it again. But we need to build a bottoms up movement. And it's the only way forward. We need to smash the Jack Dorsey's of the world. We need to smash the Twitters. We need to smash the big tech. But we will understand this. Big tech is now an arm of the government. Big pharma is an arm of the government. Big academia is the arm of the government. They all work together against you and me. So let me play this video. And I, I want you to listen to this carefully. Our country to be taken over. We have allowed our country to be taken over from within. And the end goal is you will have a homogenized world where we will become slaves because there is a condition among the elites that really thinks they're better than you deep down inside them that you don't deserve the freedoms you have. They don't. This reality is what people need to wake up to and we need to all unite working people. There's only one movement that can do that. And that is the movement that we started creating here in Massachusetts, the movement for truth, freedom, and health. Look, I've been a student of politics since I was a four-year-old kid, studying revolutionary movements, left wing, right wing. There's a physics, there's a nuclear science to destroying the establishment. To build a bridge, you need to understand Newton's equation. You need to understand the laws of gravity. You need to understand Poisson's ratio. There is a way to build a revolution. And that's why I put this together. My goal is to train a army of truth, freedom, and health leaders. We don't need followers like social media, we need leaders, but they, they need training because the educational system does not teach them history, nothing. So in three hours, that's what I've started doing. That's the solution. Wow. We gotta train people. First with understanding what a system is. The second is understanding the interconnection between truth, freedom, and health. Freedom is the ability to move freely, communicate freely, right? Talk freely. Without freedom, you cannot convert ideas, hypothesis into truth which is science. And without freedom, you can't really get to truth. And without truth, you make up fake problems and fake solutions, which means you destroy our health. And without health, which is the infrastructure of us and our body, you can't fight for freedom. Third concept is it has to be bottoms up, working people, people who work uniting. And what the right wing has done is whenever you say working people unite, that must be communist. Meanwhile, they've let the Democrats run unions, which suppress workers, completely corrupt. But when you look at the arc of American history, it's been when working people came up. We need to go local. 
Every solution I'm coming up with as a part of this movement, we're giving the science, which is the truth, and then we tell people what they can do on the ground. Like with election fraud, you don't need to wait for some lawyer. Our goal is to train people, Dave, to go local, to go local, to go local, fight locally. Forget lawyers, forget politicians, forget celebrities. You've got to learn politics, and there is a science to it. They lock us down, we should be ready to shut them down. And the fourth part of this principle is a not so obvious establishment. So when you look at a system, there's always something that disturbs you from getting to your goal. Well, the biggest disturbance is a not so obvious establishment, which are those people who claim they're for you on the left and the right. The Al Sharptons who tell black people I'm for you. The Tucker Carlson's. Do you think any true anti-establishment person will ever be on Fox or CNN? I don't think so. They both mislead working people back into the establishment without this solid understanding of political physics and theory, you're screwed. You're gonna follow on the, the left wing, Bernie Sanders, oh, he said something, or Robert Kennedy, scumbags. Or you're gonna follow you know, some right wing talk show host. They're not gonna lead us to liberation, it's us. And that political physics, it's a nuclear science of change. Bottoms up. We have to organize to understand that there is people who talk a good game, and then look at what they actually do, left and right. I'm sorry, Sean Hannity may say some good things, but I don't see the urgency in his voice to get something done, and it can only come when you weaponize yourself with the right knowledge. You need to be able to identify a rat. You know, Christ didn't go after the Romans, right? It was the Pharisees and the Sadducees who screwed him up. His own, quote unquote, people. And that's where we're at. So these four concepts I've built into a curriculum. People can go to bashiva.com, and it's an educational program. We need to train people in political theory. You need to have physics, and I've created that curriculum. People need to get educated. We need to get educated fast. And within a half an hour, an hour, I can teach people. Two years of MIT control systems, I teach people those concepts. Then I apply it, anyone can understand it. And then you say, oh, I gotta build a bottoms up movement. They have to get politically astute, and then they have to go locally and act, not sit there on social media. They have to act locally, defy locally, be, do civil obedience locally, but with knowledge on how to build a movement. And the Senate campaigns expanded to the movement for truth, freedom, and health, and they can find it on V as in Victor A. Shiva, vashiva.com, so people can sign in, they can get access to a bunch of videos. If they wanna take a course and become a truth, freedom, health leader, I offer a full scholarship there but we want people to make a commitment that they'll study, that they'll get certified, that they'll go do activities on the ground. So go to VA Shiva, Victory America Shiva, vashiva.com. All right, everyone. Um, I want to uh, point out one other thing. Look, the we have two lawsuits in federal court. Both of them, I'm representing myself, no lawyers, all the paperwork, you can go look, we're doing it ourselves. Why? Because you can't trust the swamp. And both federal lawsuits, the opposition tried to get them to be dismissed, and both of them have not been dismissed. The judge denied their motion to dismiss. Our lawsuit, I'll repeat again, is the lawsuit of the century. It is showing that government and big tech work together that's one lawsuit in the First Amendment. It's also showing that the electronic voting machines, which have a feature, and it's not done by China or all these other people, it's all distractions. It's not the Republicans versus the Democrats or Democrats versus Republicans. 
both Democrats, both party state election directors have been allowing voting machines to have a feature in there where your vote is not one vote. It's called a one person, one vote lawsuit. That's what ours is about. Now, both of those lawsuits we've been filing, I've been filing, I've been representing myself. How much money have we spent? Zero, except my court filing fees. How much did Trump raise $300 million? What do they do with that? How much do all the Democrats voter suppression nonprofits rates? Hundreds of millions. They take people's money and they just keep the fight going on. They never solve anything. And as I wrap this up, what I wanna share with you is when I go back to this lawsuit, which is a historic lawsuit, and by the way, um, all of you, uh, as I want you to go become a truth, freedom, and health warrior. That's how you support you. And at the same time, when you go become a warrior, let me just share with you um, what I didn't sh share over here is um, just very quickly, and I want to go back to the lawsuit, is you can go to the site, vashiva.com, join. I want you to share this with your friends. It's a great video. You know, here's our logo now. It's the little megaphones with the trident, which is a symbol of uh, fighting darkness, right? It's got the fist here. But you can contribute. And if you contribute 100 or more, I'm going to give you nine educational gifts. That's how I want to reciprocate. And you can get this one gift. You get access to premium videos. You get access to these cards that you can print out and give to your neighbors and your friends and your family so you can educate them with this about masks or the issue of immunity or clean elections, right? You can then also take charge of your health. I've created a tool that uh, took me 20 years to create where you can understand how your body is a system. Then you can also get access to, you know, this evening I'll be teaching the live three-hour course. There's also the foundations of system certification you can get. You can be a Truth, Freedom, and Health certified warrior. Then you get access to a portal where you can train others. Quite a bit of value. You get access to the System Revolution book, plus you get three more books. And then you get access to private free speech where we've created an environment where you can create your own underground Facebook pages, which means our pages, not Facebook, our own capability, so you can interact with all the warriors that you meet and you're not thrown off. Then we also have a, another social media tool called the forum. That's gift number seven. Then you get access to understand how food is medicine, two very powerful reports. Then you also get access to this groundbreaking research that I did understanding the intersection of all systems. So, and that's, you know, it's, it's like, you know, the value of this is significant, but when you support you, you get all these gifts and that's how you support the movement here. Those of you who wanna give $25, you can't afford that, could contribute, you still get six other gifts, okay? All those gifts, you get still access to the forum. So I want you to go explore this at vashiva.com slash join. This is your movement, but it's time that you get educated. Without the knowledge of systems, you will constantly be flailing the left wing, the right wing, a pro, anti, black, white, whatever the hell it is. With the knowledge of systems, we can really understand what the real issues are. So let me, the other thing I wanted to end with on here, is in our lawsuit, we bring up something very profound here, which is the fact that Boston um, has been the center. It's actually been the center. Uh, let me bring this up here. Uh, yeah, bring this up here. So I want you to uh, bring, up some, bring up this very, very important point here, okay? That Boston has been the center, guess what, of attack on free speech as long as anyone can remember, okay? And it goes back to this very interesting book called Strange Fruit, which was banned, okay? 
in Boston. So let me just give you a little, a little bit of history here. So again, I know we're going a little bit long, but I wanna give you this history because it is from history that we learn. So in the lawsuit, we bring up something very important. It says, Boston has a long history of strongly encouraging private actors to suppress speech. The history of Boston is synonymous with suppression of speech. Boston is defined by suppression of speech. So even though we consider this the center of the American Revolution, this is where the most amount of speech has actually been suppressed. And we point this out in our lawsuit. In 1650, the first book burning in the New World happened on Boston Common when the general court ordered copies of William Pynchon's book to be burned. This is in Boston because it was not sufficiently loyal and deferential to the folks in power. William Pinchel was then expelled back to England where none of his books were burnt, okay? Which means Boston was worse in banning books than even England. After that, for over 300 years, numerous books were banned in Boston despite the establishment of the United States and the passage of the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. Massachusetts continued to have laws on its books that defied the First Amendment and enforced the government's views on what was acceptable speech and criminally prosecuted people who asserted their First Amendment rights. In 1944, so this is in 1944, we're only talking, everyone, we're only talking, you know, less than about, you know, less than 100 years ago, okay? We're not going back to medieval times. So look at this, less, less than 100 years ago, about 80 years ago, the anti-racism book Strange Fruit was banned in Boston. On May 26, 1944, the author Lillian Smith penned the following in her letter, to the American Civil Liberties Union about why the powers in Boston burned her anti-racism book. And she talks about, she wrote a book which was exposing the fact that there, that she goes, but there are many others who fear the effect of strange fruit on the racial status quo. And, and I think within this group, we shall find Boston's major reason for banning the book. These people believe it is for their political and economic invention, advantage to keep the Negro and the Jew and the labor where they are today. So it's not only against blacks, and Jews, but it's also against the American worker. They fear all change. They know when racial segregation begins to awaken that other forms of segregation and exploitation will crumble with it, okay? You can read that. Now, here's what's interesting. Abraham Eisenstadt was criminally prosecuted by the government of Massachusetts for selling one copy of Strange Fruit in, in Cambridge. The Supreme Judicial Court upheld his criminal conviction so this guy, Abraham, owned a bookstore and he was selling strange fruit. The SJC upheld this criminal conviction because the prosecution complied with the letter of the law, as had remained on the books and the forms since 1711 and, and with the case law as it existed in Massachusetts. That law remained the law in Massachusetts even after the U.S. Supreme Court reversed the SJC in a later decision in 1966. I mean, Massachusetts was even behind the federal government that reiterated the supremacy of the U.S. Constitution and the First Amendment, even in Massachusetts. The ban in Massachusetts on selling and possessing and reading strange fruit was repealed only in 1982. So let me read that. Up until 1982, you can you can buy a copy of strange fruit in Massachusetts. It was against the law. It's just 40 years ago. Okay, this is how, how anti-speech Massachusetts is and racist after the legislature wrote in the amendment. Now, uh, so I give this background on the fact that Abraham Eisenstadt stood up to the government, okay? And he did, and he, and he, uh, did not, you know, uh, kowtow. He, he, he was willing to take it on. And I compare it to Dorsey. 
So this is what it says. Abraham Isaac was criminally prosecuted by the government of Massachusetts. Let me just go back to the other thing. Um, it is vital for us to acknowledge that Twitter did not do what brave Abraham. Um, so, so right. Twitter's website. Hold on. Yeah. Twitter's website takes care to conceal its deep willing and collusion with the government. They have a Twitter partnership. And it says it is vital for us to acknowledge that Twitter did not do what the brave Abraham Eisendat did back in 1944. Stand up for the U.S. Constitution, protected rights and liberties and foundational principles. Eisenstadt stood up to the government of Massachusetts despite being one solitary owner of one solitary bookshop. Twitter, on the other hand, is much more powerful and has a global voice to not just stand up to the government, but expose whatever it takes efforts by the state official to silence speech. But Twitter founder, CEO and director Jack Dorsey is not Eisenstadt. Eisenstadt indeed, not in words, fought segregation, racism, discrimination when he was willing to put his own business on the line and risk acquiring a criminal record to fight for free speech and defend the First Amendment. Dorsey, on the other hand, gave Tassinari and Galvin, the government of Massachusetts, a trusted Twitter partnership, colluded with them to silence a black-skinned, low-caste untouchable who had exposed a conscious violation of federal law that intentionally denied the guarantee of one person, one vote to every American. The irony and hypocrisy is beyond pale. Unlike Twitter and Dorsey, Eisenstadt chose to live not by lies. So there you go, everyone. I hope people get what I'm trying to say. Jack Dorsey is a scumbag, scientific term, but more precisely, he is a racist. Elizabeth Warren is a racist. The quote unquote liberal elites are the racists. They want to pit the poor black person against a quote unquote a white working class person. They then go do these apparent things outside, give money to Colin Kaepernick, give money to BU to boost up their own brand. But when the rubber meets the road, when a guy like me, okay, who is not from them, who doesn't need them, one of your fighters, exposes them. They don't want a black skinned, low caste, untouchable like me. They want people who they can control. That's what this is about. That's why Jack Dorsey is a hypocrite. He's a racist. He's the one who threw off one of your fighters, a black skinned, low caste, untouchable off Twitter because it doesn't fit his brand building. And he did it for the government. He did it for the elites. There you go. I think I've gotten enough off my you know, chest here. I got to teach a class at 6 p.m., at 7 p.m., I'm sorry, in two hours. So I have a little bit of time. But I hope this helps all of you understand. Okay, someone says, uh, Christian says, Shiva is the only one teaching about the not so obvious system and educating on us how to actually win. Right, racist to say the least. Well, Lewis, I'm glad you love what I'm sharing here, but all of you have got to now carry the torch. And it's very, very important that you all learn system science. You become truth, freedom, and health warriors. We have to build an independent movement. It's not going to happen by, you're not going to change the Republican Party no matter how you think. Look what Trump did. Nothing happened. In fact, he gave everyone hope. Like Obama did. Keep hope alive. Bullshit. We have to build our independent movement, but we're not going to be able to build it without the right political physics. And that is what I'm here to teach you. So contribute to you. 
Don't do it for me. I don't need your money. What I need is I want to see in my lifetime that working people rise up again as we did in the 1920s. That's what I want to see. And that's what I think you want to see. And it's not going to happen by Republican or Democrat, left or right. It's not going to happen by Jack Dorsey. It's not going to happen by the elites. It's going to happen by you. So take this to heart. I've just given you a very, very, a lot to think about here. So go think about it. Watch this video. Share it to others. But Jack Dorsey is a racist. That's what he is. He's a fraud. He's a hypocrite. He had an opportunity. And he silenced a low caste, black skin, untouchable. And over here, he's giving money over to Black Lives Matter. Complete hypocrite. Fraud. Thank you, everyone. Be the light. Let's win this fight. Go become a truth, freedom, and health warrior. That's what I need you to do. That's how you help you, and that's how we win. We have to go and study the physics. Thank you. Be well.